Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. Hey guys, what's going on? Today we are going to dive into some training talk and uh, we got a dual podcast for you guys this week because uh, we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty with uh, physical fitness and some training uh, discussions on how to sort of break up your days, weeks, months, cycles, years, goals, life, etc. And walk through that entire journey and we're going to sort of frame that around uh, why to deload, how to deload, what to do during deload, what is deload, why are we using that phrase, etc. And then later this week, we're going to have a discussion on relationships, which is a podcast recommended by my amazing mother. So uh, let's dive into it. So first, we're going to talk about deload weeks. Now, the reason that we are going to talk about deload weeks is for those people who came back the first week after coronavirus into Friendship Fitness, which is the facility that I work at and operate all day, uh, they are due for a deload week this week. Most people are due for a deload week if they came back that first week. So let's talk about what deloading is, why it's important, and kind of everything around it. So first we have cycles to talk about. Now, there is so much nerdery around cycles, and there's also a lot of like weird elitism uh, among top trainers and top programmers. And it to me, it reminds me a lot of like lawyers or like loan officers or insurance agents where they try to like use terminology and talk above people. So it becomes confusing. But one of Naval's quotes, which is one of my my favorite quotes ever, is um, it's I'm not going to nail it, but something along the lines of it shows a fool who makes a simple subject complex or who, you know, it tries to over explain something, basically. And I think that that is the first sign that somebody maybe doesn't know what they're doing or that they are over exaggerating a little bit the knowledge or the importance of something like micro, you know, it's it mesocycles, macrocycles, microcycles, etc. And start discussing about exactly how we're going to control the load, volume, frequency, intensity and all that stuff uh, throughout those those different pieces. What we know is that we do need to control certain things inside of our larger training scheme. And for people who are beginners, so let's just say you're in your first one to two years of real training. And by real training, I'm not talking like working out. Okay. The working out, like if you're going to Orange Theory or if you're jogging or, you know, if you're, you know, doing Pilates classes or something, you're not, you're not training. You're, you're working out, you're staying fit, but you're not training. You're not actually working towards really making tangible adaptation. And that's an important distinction for people because training is quite a bit different than working out. And when we actually start to really work towards training, it's important for us to understand what we're doing to our bodies, what we're doing to our minds, what we're doing to the hormone levels and chemically in our body. 
And really what we're doing is we're placing stress onto the system. And if you guys have listened to the podcast for a while, you should be pretty familiar with a lot of these uh, things we're going to talk about. Or if you guys have been around friendship for a while, you've probably read, you know, I don't know, lots of blogs and stuff. If you guys go back far enough, I used to write a blog every day. Uh, And I don't think that's on the internet anymore, unfortunately. But, um, But I used to talk about this all the time. And what we do is we place this stress on the body. And when the body gets stressed placed on top of it from a physical standpoint, the body starts to adapt, right? And so it sees this foreign thing where it's like, oh crap, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. I don't know what the hell's going on. So it starts to chemically create a response in our body where our hormones are going to start to react to things. Our muscles are going to start to take the nutrients that we're eating and utilize all of that together to, you know, build muscle, um, increase the lung capacity, you know, allow blood to flow more easily through the body, whatever it might be, or flush crap out of the bloodstream better. All these different things. That is the adaptation that is caused by different pieces of training. And so it's important to understand that training begins when you are stressed. And until you really learn how to stress yourself, you're not really training. And what we feel like we see a lot of times, especially so let's just throw, um, you know, uh, a couch to 5K or like a couch to marathon or a couch to half marathon or something like that. Um, And you look up, you know, just some running some mileage and you start going out and you start jogging. But you always jog at the same pace. And the only real variability is your mileage. Um, Well, that's not really training because what you're really not doing is placing adaptive stress on the body for the most part. Now, aerobically, you might be developing a little bit in your aerobic system, but outside of that, really all of the other domains of fitness, you're not really going to be developing. And so then the way that I determine real training is when we actually start to work on adapting our body, adapting our mind, adapting all of our systems in the 10 general physical skills. And those 10 general physical skills are cardiovascular respiratory endurance, which we just talked about, stamina, strength, flexibility, power, speed, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. And when we start to look at those, a full training program is going to develop all of those things. An incomplete training program is maybe only going to drive adaptation in a few of those things, or maybe even sometimes one of those things. And that would be more specialized training. And we still need deload weeks and specialized training. We still need to work on rounding ourselves out in terms of injury prevention and some of those things. But that's sort of a generalistic view of what, you know, training, what denotes real training is if we're causing stress in all of these areas and we're trying to drive adaptation in everything from agility and flexibility to strength, well, then we're really driving ourselves into what would be a full, robust physical fitness, general physical fitness program. Okay. And that's our goal. That's my goal. In my opinion, if you're just a regular person, that should be the only thing that you devote any time to from a physical fitness standpoint. Now, if you're going to specialize, if you're going to go and you're going to do Ironmans or marathons or powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting, obviously you need to specialize. You need to spend more time in those specific domains to drive faster adaptation, bigger, better adaptation in that one specific area. And by the nature of that, then you are sacrificing the other components of fitness that you're not spending time training on. 
but let's just assume you are, um, you know, just like me, just like my wife, Maria, just like most people who come to the gym and probably listen to this podcast, you know, you, you work a job, you're a normal, you know, human, and we just want to be fit for life. So we want to be as well-rounded in the 10 general physical skills as we can possibly be. Well, what that means then is we need to break our sort of week and month and year and cycles down into these areas where we maybe have focus points. And so we're going to talk about uh, what different focus points look like and how we can look at like our larger picture cycle. So I, I, this is how I personally denote a mesocycle. A mesocycle is our top end. And it basically for me is I have a goal that I want to achieve. And while I still want to achieve that goal, I'm in that mesocycle. And then the lower level cycles will help me accomplish that goal. But let's just take weight loss as a common mesocycle goal. So right now, I want to lose 15 pounds, right? Well, now, right now, then I am in a weight loss mesocycle. And then my next goal down would be to make sure that my macro cycles that they actually will help me achieve that goal inside of my mesocycle. So if my goal was weight loss and the macro cycle that I was jumping into was a powerlifting cycle, well, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? If I want to lose weight, why would my macro cycle be focused on powerlifting? Right. It would make more sense for my macro cycle to be a little bit more focused on something that's maybe a little bit more high energy, high repetition, um, you know, more more calories burned during the actual physical component of exercise in and of itself and also some resistance in muscular training during that. This is why running just straight going out and running is not a good way to lose weight. It is an incomplete way. It can get the job done, but it's not a very good way to get the job done because we need to actually make the muscles activate themselves for us to burn calories at a faster pace. So that's how my mesocycle should match my macrocycle. So let's just take our example, right? I want to lose 15 pounds. That's my mesocycle goal. My macrocycle means that I am going to do Thrive Fit for two full macrocycles. Okay. And a macrocycle typically is going to last somewhere from eight to 12 weeks. And we try to path these macro cycles. I'll talk a little bit about how I sort of program in my macro cycles to allow for changes in focus as we start to look at those areas. So sometimes when you start to look at something like a Thrive Fit, we're going to have an increased focus on speed, which maybe some of you have noticed. We've been doing a little bit more sprint days. There's going to make it maybe be an increased focus on agility or balance or coordination or flexibility. Right. The goal of Thrive, because of its nature, is really always going to have a focus on the top two, which are going to be cardiovascular endurance and stamina and a little bit less of a focus on strength. But the other components are going to be things that we touch on more or less, depending on what macro cycle we are in. And then when you combine all of the macro cycles for the whole year, we will have hit equally on each of those components. And that's sort of our, our main goal with ThriveFit. And then we'll talk about building stuff a little bit later. We'll use other examples. So my mesocycle, right, top end, if we're looking, thinking about this, I think about it as like a funnel, right? The top of the funnel is my, my mesocycle goal. So that's to lose weight. My macrocycle goal is going to be to be inside of this Thrive uh, macrocycle, which for us just recently, we focused on the 
the main two, cardiovascular endurance, stamina. And then we also had a little bit of focus on speed, agility, and some balance work. We're going to focus a little bit more on balance and coordination coming up in the, in the coming weeks. Um, and then obviously flexibility. So those are going to be, that was the, the cycle that we just got done with. And as we start moving forward, we're going to take a little bit of a focus off some of the speed component and we're going to switch and maybe put a little bit more focus on some of our uh, agility, balance, coordination and flexibility components. So that's sort of the way the macro cycle ends. Now we start thinking about what is a micro cycle. Well, a micro cycle for us is going to be thinking about how does our week break down or how does maybe a 10 day training split break down? So depending on how we do our weeks, most people will just break down their week. I do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Like that's how I break down my week. And if my meso goal is you know, to lose weight, then my macro goal is going to be thrive focused. So I maybe do four days a week of thrive and one day a week of build. And that's how I break down. As you see how my, my macro cycle goals breaks down my micro cycle week. Okay. And so that's sort of the generalistic overview of, of cycles, right? And so let's just take an example. Let's say we lose our 15 pounds. We accomplish our goal in our meso cycle. Well, the next mesocycle, the next training split for us then is maybe going to have a different goal. So maybe our goal now is we want to lose four pounds, but we want to gain four pounds of muscle. So now I have a different, I'm in a different mesocycle. And so the, the real traditional split of all this, where a lot of it came around was mostly was bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is what really started this a ton because people went through bulk and cut and bulk and cut. And so their mesocycle would be the mesocycle I'm in right now would be a bulking phase. And then I would go through a mesocycle of cutting phase. And that's the way that bodybuilders typically will go is they will do a harsh delineation between, you know, I'm lifting weights, I'm eating a ton, I'm in excess of calories so that I can bulk so that I can grow muscle mass. And then I'm going to clean up my nutrition. I'm going to start to increase my activity and I'm going to start to cut or shed fat off of my frame because typically when we bulk, we add muscle and we add fat. And so they would go back and forth between these mesocycles. So typically you do, you know, bulk cut, bulk cut, and you would do that somewhere around 12 weeks apart. And that would be your year, right? So you have basically four um, different macro cycles inside of that with four different mesocycle goals. All right. So that's super nerdery. I hope I didn't lose you guys. Now let's get into where and how things uh, break up in terms of why deload weeks are important. So a deload week is important for two reasons. One, when we hit a mesocycle goal, right? When we achieve that goal or, um, you know, we had some success training wise. So if you guys were around when we did squat cycles, that's a simple meso goal. My, my goal, this, you know, this training split right now, my mesocycle goal right now is to increase my raw strength inside of the squat, increase my mobility, increase all of those different things inside of the squat. That's my goal. So you would do your macro cycle, which was the squat cycle, you would test and then you would take a deload week. And in between that deload week, you're evaluating whether you want to change your overarching goal or you're giving yourself a break as you go into whatever the next macro cycle would be so that you can readjust your training focus. And there's all these other physical and mental benefits that we're going to go into. So that's sort of how and where a deload week comes in. So when I recommend it to people, it can be time-based, it can be cycle-based, or it can be your own mental and physical place 
kind of driven, right? So if you are starting to break down physically, starting to break down mentally, if all of a sudden you get all these little tweaks and nags, and now my knees bug me, now my shoulders bug me, and now my this is bugging me, and now I'm not sleeping as well, and now I'm not noticed, I'm plateauing, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Those are all signs for us to take a little bit of time off. Or I'm getting bored or complacent with training, and I'm not necessarily, I don't even know what I'm working on anymore, or this or that and the other. And, and I start to say some of these things. This is where the mental component of a deal week can be really good because it's a it's a point in time for us to refocus for us to take some time to de-stress all of our systems that we should have been stressing over the last little bit and let our body recoup and recover and come back to some degree of a baseline so let's talk about the mental benefits uh first because ultimately i'm a firm firm believer the longer that i do this is that the mental component of training, what you derive from that mental component, what it gives to you, what it gives to us, what it gives to your family and the people in your life far outweighs the physical benefits. And if you guys aren't there yet, if you haven't seen that, if you don't realize that yet, then my hope is that you can continue to work hard and train hard and you maybe have somebody in your life who can recognize the mental changes that you start to make when you start to believe in yourself more and have more confidence, when you start to be able to overcome and adapt to challenges better, when you understand that things that are hard, that that, that difficulty, that that's the whole point. That's why we're doing it. That's what we do things for. And I had this conversation with one of our old coaches over the weekend Tom, for those of you guys who don't know, he's in town, so we sat and had lunch yesterday. And he was talking about how he's tried to get some friends involved with working out, and he's tried to get some friends involved with fitness. And they have such a rough go of it in the first time out that they never come back, that they quit. And and he goes, it's so hard to watch because the right reaction to that is to say, wow, I need this more than I thought I did. Right. I struggled so much with a simple workout that shows me how out of shape I am. I really got to get this figured out. And my response to him was, but that mental error, that flaw is exactly why they're out of shape. Is exactly why they are failing from a health and fitness perspective is because their mentality towards hard things is broken. And that's the biggest thing that we need to get out of it. And for those of you guys who have made massive changes in your life, in your body, through your health and fitness, you've probably noticed that the biggest change is just how you look at it, is just how you look at health and you look at fitness. And the fact that things just that, you know, even just something as simple as showing up and doing a workout. Well, that used to be the challenge for a lot of people it was just showing up, coming through the doors and when that goes away and now that's just, that's like, I come the same every week. I'm super consistent. I don't even think about coming to the gym anymore. It's just a way of being for me. It's just something I do. Well, that is a pretty awesome mental adaptation on top of all the other stuff we talked about. And I get juiced up talking about mental adaptations and just becoming a more resilient, formidable person. Like that is just awesome. That's what we should want for everybody in our lives. So the mental benefits of a deload week, as we start to dive into this guys, the, the biggest one, I think, for people is, is this idea of not becoming 
reliant and dependent upon exercise, dopamine, endorphins, and all these things for happiness, for growth, and for development. And I think exercise addiction is something that is um, probably more prevalent than we think it is. And I think a lot of people don't maybe aren't in tune with some of those things. And I've trained a lot of athletes at a very, very high level. And I think in hindsight, when you talk to a lot of those people and you ask them about the balance of the happiness in their life, I think a lot of them would say that, you know, I was imbalanced and I had to maybe do that to achieve and reach my goals, but I don't necessarily know if it was worth it. And because I never tried, I don't actually know if I could have still competed at a high level, still had that top level performance and done some of these other things that could bring me, you know, health and happiness and de-stress me and make me a more well-rounded individual. So I think that's the first thing is we need to have other things in our lives that we can go and do that are healthy, fun, you know, worthwhile activities and take some of that stress off of both the mind and the body from a training perspective. Every I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about three to four weeks a year is what we would deload on a normal year, depending on your age. If you're older, you might do five to six weeks. And it's a good time for us to look inward and say, you know, am I okay when I don't train, when I don't work out? Am I becoming addicted to that feeling, to that place? If you're talking about friendship, like, do I need, do I need the people? Do I need these things? And sometimes if we have that so consistently throughout our time, we maybe don't recognize the fact that, um, you know, maybe we aren't devoting enough time to our family, or maybe we aren't devoting enough time to, you know, reading or listening to podcasts, or maybe we aren't devoting enough time to our own individual personal development. And I think that's a great use for uh, deload weeks is to take a take a break a little bit and think about other ways that we are developing because it can't just be your physical fitness. It can't just be your health. We should be trying to develop ourselves in other ways also. So that's the first mental break. And what you'll find is if you take the deload weeks, that little mental break, that little adjusting, of course, that little bit of time off. And the best way I ever heard of a deload week was, um, you know, people talking to games athletes and after they would have these just horribly ridiculous training splits, um, you know, four to six hours a day, every day for months on end leading up to, you know, these, these crazy physical tests. And they would just say, I don't want you back in the gym and I want you to be out for a month or two months. And I want you to only come back when you feel like you really, really want to be here. And it's funny when you talk to athletes who do that, they sort of go through these weird cycles where at first it's like weird that they're not going in. And then after a little bit, they sort of get comfortable and they they realize they can sort of relax and they actually start to enjoy the break a little bit. And they still do a lot of these athletes and, and people generally will still do things, continue to do things that are healthy, um, but they're maybe just not doing them necessarily inside of the gym. And then a few more weeks goes by and then they realize, okay, I need the accountability. I need the structure. I need the time. I need the coaching. I need those things from the gym. I'm ready. I want to get back in. And then when you come back in, you're like amped, you're excited, you're ready to go. 
And I think that that's a cool mentality for it. And I actually just talked with Coach Eric today, and he had just said uh, that last week where he was like starting to feel, he took a deload week last week and just was starting to feel like, you know, I was kind of dragging myself to work out. Like I felt like I had to. And so I just, so he just took the week off. And now he feels like he wants to do the workouts again. He wants to come in. He wants to, he wants to get back into it. And that's, that's just great. That's just listening to your mind, listening to your body, listening to how you feel and paying attention to it. And it's okay. Like I've, I haven't been as motivated with training as I was over the last two months in a long time in years. And I think quarantine was great for me for that because it, it, you know, sort of gave me this like forced mental break. And I just kept thinking, God, I just want to get back into the gym. Like, gosh, I just want to get back in around people and do these workouts and have that motivation, have that accountability. And so mentally that break was fantastic for me. And I came out of that break more successful than I've been with training since I really stopped competing uh, generally. And so I think that that was, uh, you know, a great mental benefit for me. Uh, we're going to talk about some other mental benefits when we start talking about what you can do on deload weeks uh, and, and how, you know, the mental benefit of some of those things can be uh, sort of like a, a three prong, you know, benefit for, for our, our body um, or us chemically uh, and de-stressing some of those things. So let's get on to some of the physical benefits. So physically, all right, the deload week is necessary, right? And so uh, this is this is the best way I can I can put it. If you guys have ever been like, I always just say when you're sick, but if you've ever just been unbelievably lazy for like a weekend, right? Um, maybe you're sick, maybe you're hungover, maybe whatever, right? And you just like, you're horizontal the whole weekend. So you're just laying on the couch or you're laying in bed and you exert no effort, and you get up and like you walk downstairs. So for us, our, ba- our uh, basement is where our laundry is. You walk downstairs and you grab a laundry basket and you start to walk up the stairs and you get to the top of the stairs. Just grab just like doing that little trip. And you're like, you're like, man, I'm I just got out of breath walking the laundry up the stairs. And it's it's kind of a weird mentality, right? And you're like, well, why does that happen? Well, what happens is our central nervous system is basically in in a short term, it's adapting to you doing nothing, right? Is it's not like it's the opposite of fight or flight, right? And and we're not ready to fight. Like we're as far away from that as possible. So our our, our central nervous system generally just starts to relax, right? And it's not primed and ready to train in any way. So when you get up and you start to exert a physical force, the nervous system has this little like adaptation moment, right? And like you might get a little like lightheaded or you might see some stars or we start to, you know, get out of breath, right? And so that in and of itself is like a really small scale understanding of adaptation. And so what happens after a deload week is our body sort of resets itself chemically and we go through some of these organic changes and some of these adaptations and some of this different stuff that goes on in the body and it resets itself to a little bit of like homeostasis. And then when we come back to training, this is what's funny about it, is when you come back to training, weights feel super heavy and workouts kick your butt a little bit more. And those of you guys who didn't do much over quarantine and came back in for your first couple workouts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll never forget those first two days. It's like people were just getting uh, railroaded by the workouts. And that is good. And it's so weird to try to break this down to people. And so I'm going to do my best because I've explained this to a lot of people. But what we want is the body to feel stress, right? 
And so if our body feels stress at lower weights, then that's a good thing because it's going to stimulate a strength response from our body without having to go so heavy. And when you're at the end of a training cycle and if you've been squatting three, four or five times, the weights don't feel heavy. You feel good. Everything's going up. It's easy. And you're at the end of that training split. Your body is fully adapted. Your central nervous system is primed and ready to be lifting all the time. And so the adaptation that you're getting either isn't going to be there or you're going to have to get to like all time heavier weights if we're talking about weightlifting or all time faster miles or faster marathon paces or whatever it is like you have to do more you have to achieve higher to even get to a place where your body even thinks about giving you a new adaptation about being stressed Because if three times a week, every single week, you're walking in and you're lifting 400 pounds and your body just gets used to it, well, 400 pounds will no longer cause your central nervous system to say, hey, hey, there's this new stress. We've got to adapt because it's not a new stress anymore. It's used to it. And this is what starts to happen when people just get on a treadmill and run all the time. This is why this is so stupid is if you just get on a treadmill and run at the same pace for an extent for the same period of time for 20 or 30 minutes every single day, your body just stops adapting to it. It literally does nothing. You're literally wasting your time. And if you come in and you never change the pace of your workouts and you never change the loads that you lift and you never change time domains or effort levels or any of those things, well, you're not adapting. You're not putting stress on the system. If you don't ever have a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, that was so hard. Like that's, you know, where like you get that little, that little like you know, brain twinge, like with, if you're talking about lifting, I always think about that little, like you like stand up and you're like seeing some stars and you like go wide eyed and you start looking at somebody like, Whoa, like that was, that was seriously heavy. That was hard. Um, if you've never felt that before, then you're not really getting to the point where you're placing stress and adaptation on your body. And so after a deload week, after things reset, well, you're able to tap into that again at easier loads at easier movements um, without having to go at maximal levels. So let's use that same example. Let's say I was at the end of a squat cycle and I had worked up and I'm squatting around 400 pounds and I, you know, I hit 405 today. I hit 410 later this week and then next week I hit 415 and that wraps up my cycle. Okay. Well, when I go take my deload week and I come back and I get under a squat bar, well, I might only be able to hit like 375 or 365. It's going to feel heavy and I might like fail at that weight because my central nervous system's not primed and that's normal. That's good. That's okay. But what happens is that level, that 365 or that 375 should be higher than the level it was before because maybe when I started that squat cycle, like 315 felt really heavy or 325 felt really heavy. And so if you think about that, my base foundation the squat cycle before was 315 and I maxed out at 415. Now I'm starting at 365 is where things start to feel heavy at the beginning of the cycle, which means that my upward mobility at the end of that cycle might be at 465. There's some diminishing return, so it wouldn't be exact like that, but that's the concept. That's the idea. 
right? And so we have this. If you guys have never looked at the mastery curve, you should Google it right away and you should understand the mastery curve and understand it's it's sort of um, plateauing. And when we plateau, we take a deload week and then you get a new adaptation, right? New focus, new adaptation. So that is the main physical benefit is we allow the body to de-stress itself. We allow ourselves chemically to come back to some degree of homeostasis. So sometimes we can get into adrenal fatigue. Our cortisol levels can be out of whack. Um, We've got too much inflammation in the body. We need to flush some of those things out. Um, All of these different things. You can get all this stuff or or probably in in most likelihood, you're sort of getting a little bit of all of it. And so de-stressing can take some of that inflammation out of the joints, right? If we were doing a squat cycle, you probably have some good inflammation in your knees and your hips and your back and some of those things. We need to let those uh, discs in our back sort of just slowly get good night's sleep and slowly start to sort of rejuvenate themselves and come back up to speed. And then when we come back, we've allowed that adaptation to really sink in. Like that's the way I think of it is like we're like a sponge and we've just like wrung everything out of it. And it's just we've gotten every ounce of water out of that sponge. And now we just and we've squeezed, you know, imagine you're squeezing a sponge under sink and you just get every little ounce out. And then what we're doing is we're turning the water back on and we're just filling it all the way back up again. And we're letting ourselves get back to our full capacity. And that's what we want there, right? So this is sort of the idea of some of the physical benefits uh, of that. So it's good from a joint perspective for those reasons we talked about. Uh, de-stresses those joints. It lets some of the inflammation come out of that. Um, you know, I'm a big believer when we start talking about what what to do is we want to take a lot of, you know, circulatory, um, a lot of breathing, a lot of um, stretching, a lot of different things that can help activate our lymphatic system and help us get into some of these deep corners of our joints that maybe we haven't been hitting through a training cycle. And so as this will sort of bridge our gap into what to do during deload weeks. So our first uh, thing that we're going to talk about is yoga. And yoga is great from all those things I just talked about, right? We're going to be touching different corners of our joints and our muscles that were maybe not tapped or not utilized or not hit effectively enough during the last training split. We're going to work on our deep breathing, which is going to help our circulatory system start to kind of pump out some of the junky blood and pump in fresh, good blood. And this is one of the big components of our lymphatic system and what the purpose of it is. And as as a you know, the nature of that then should also be to mentally de-stress as well, right? So um, physically, that should put you into a place that feels good, and you should be leaving feeling refreshed. And so, I'm not a huge proponent. Maria's maybe going to get mad at me. I'm not a huge proponent of hot yoga because of this. I just think just normal temperature, normal yoga, the way you know, just normal um, with you know some really nice uh, man. Let's see if I still remember my, some really nice shavasana at the end where you just get to chill and relax and just work and focus on your breathing and de-stress the body again. I think that's probably the best way. So, um, you know, my, my top deload week activity would be to um, go on hikes or long walks in uh, the morning, three to four days out of that week, and then yoga two to three days out of that week. And I think that that would be just a great way to spend uh, that time. You would come back, you'd feel refreshed, you would feel uh, mentally and physically prepared for uh, what the, the new cycle is going to bring for you. Uh, the other option guys, and this is one that's been, uh, really, really popular for some of my athletes over the years is to do class, but to deload everything. Um, so I, in this case I would say to do thrive and you would sign up and you would do a thrive class. 
but you would deload everything. So the weight would be comically light for you. Like if we're doing a dumbbell front squats on a normal training split, I might do 55 pound dumbbells or kettlebells per hand. Well, if I'm doing, um, you know, thrive as a deload week, I might do one 15 pound dumbbell in a goblet squat for that workout. So instead of 110 pounds on my frame, I'm going to put 15 pounds on my frame. I'm going to totally deload the exercise itself. From a pace and an intensity standpoint, I'm going to be fully conversational the entire time. I'm not going to stress those systems. The whole goal is to not stress the system. So you can't get caught up in a race. You can't get caught up in going too fast. You can't get out of control. You can't redline. You can't go out of those systems. And the whole goal is just to get the body moving into different, again, different corners and ranges of motion and stretching and utilizing a Thrive workout more just for the blood flow, for the breathing, for the muscles, and just relaxing on doing everything so hardcore, so fast, so heavy, all the time. And if you guys have never come to the gym and you've never like scaled everything, I highly recommend it. I actually told our coaches one time that I didn't really consider myself um, a true, you know, athlete until you come into class and you scale everything for an entire week. And if you've never done that, whether you're a coach or whether you're an athlete or whatever, if you've never done that, you have to for a bunch of reasons. One, you have to understand that ego is the enemy. And I think this is the biggest thing. Ego, when it comes to training, is the root of all evil. It's what leads to um, lack of focus, injury, plateaus, all of it, right? If your ego gets the better of you, you're going to always, always lead with bad form, shorted reps, bad mobility, bad stability, cheating all the way through the entire the entire component of all of that like so we have to reduce the ego and one of the best ways to reduce the ego is to show up to the gym in a group full of people who you know you think in your head care about what you do for a workout but in reality is we're all fighting our own battles and nobody really gives a shit and scale everything so if it's bar muscle-ups you're going to do bar rows or ring rows if it's you know, burpees, you're going to do, uh, my, my boy G you're going to do grants burpees. You're going to go down to a knee. You're going to step back. You're going to maybe cut the reps in half. You're going to go at your own pace. You're not going to race. And so if you guys do work out on deload week, I don't really necessarily recommend it because I don't actually think that most people's egos can handle it. And I don't think that people are, um, as, capable of maybe pace control in some of those things as maybe they think they are. And so I don't necessarily recommend coming to the gym, but it is an option and it is important to talk about that as an option. Um, and then my favorite way to, to, uh, to take a, uh, <laughs> to take a deload week is to travel, um, and, uh, read, relax, take walks on the beach, um, eat healthy, you know, don't, don't stress your body from the crushing it with alcohol and bad food for a week and call that a deload week because that doesn't really work either. Um, it has to be restorative by nature, 
But I like the idea of we're getting vitamin D, we're outside, we're in nature, we're um, you know breathing fresh air, we're swimming, we are active generally, uh, but we are not necessarily doing anything like putting barbells onto our backs and loading our frame up or um, doing really high stress activities. So those are probably my three favorite ways. Now, I, I told you guys how I would recommend doing a deload week. Um, and when we start talking about deload week, sometimes you don't even necessarily need a fold week, right? We may take uh, five days might be probably the, the real way for most people. Again, if you guys are 40 plus or 45 plus, uh, I would probably recommend taking deload weeks uh, as a full week. And I would also probably recommend taking them maybe every six to eight weeks instead of uh, every eight to 12 weeks. And Matt Chan, actually has done quite a great job of talking about this. Now, he's seen his most success adaptation uh, and things, and you guys might have just seen him on the Titan Games uh, against The Rock, uh, but he's famously one of the original CrossFit staff people, uh, certified staff, and he does the certification processes. He's a CrossFit Games athlete pretty smart guy. Um, not the smartest guy, I would say, in, inside of the CrossFit world, but pretty smart guy. Uh, but he found a ton of success and he logged and tracked doing four weeks hard and one week off. And he did that the whole time for his whole train splits. And that was when he started to decrease his injuries, take it down to zero, increase his adaptation, start to get stronger again, and do it as he was entering his uh, 40s and in, into his late 40s. And that should really be our goal, right? Is I think a lot of times people think that if they take time away from the gym or if they take time away from training or they do these things that they're going to stop getting better. And the funny part about it is, is if you never take time away from the gym, you are hard capped. You will be plateaued forever and you'll never be able to break that plateau because you will never be able to get back to a place of adaptation. And so what you see is people just try and try and more and more and more and more and more. And what they actually need is less and less and less and less. And this is the challenge as a coach, as a gym owner, is you're telling people who love to train. You're telling people who love the gym, who this is a, you know, a, a fiber of their being. And they just, they, they just, you know, that's what, that is what I want. And I want it so bad. And I work so hard. And you're telling them that you have to, you know, you have to step away. You have to take some time off. You have to relax a little bit. And isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the best? That's just, I mean, what a, what a life teacher, um, training is, you know, what a, what an incredible thing to teach you just lessons where if you want it so bad, the, the thing you have to do is the hardest thing for you, which is to stop doing it for a little bit and to relax and to find balance. And, you know, I get super romantic about, uh, about training and about, you know, fitness and health and the things that it gives us in our life. But I, I love this one. And, um, you know, honestly, over the years, there has not been many people that I've trained that I would say really diligently follow this principle and follow this practice of deloading and deloading effectively with a plan and calculating out the weeks and listening to the coaching staff and, and feeling out their body and paying attention to those things and doing it with an intention. And 
most people, like I said, you know, a lot of people, they're not necessarily training, like they're still working out, right? And they're still just kind of coming in. They're not necessarily working towards anything. They might have a meso goal, but they don't necessarily think about how that breaks down to like macro and micro cycles. And that's fine, right? But eventually, most people get to a point where they want to achieve something physically, and they want to, you know, get a pull up. They want to PR their mile. They want to PR a back squat. They want to look better in a mirror. They want to put on muscle mass. They want to do whatever. And this is where cycles do have to come in. And we have to have some degree of training focus, some intentionality to what we are doing. And that changes the way that you come into the gym. That changes the focus you have. If your focus is to put on muscle and get stronger, well, you're not going to come in to build and just grab light dumbbells and light kettlebells and just kind of go through the motions. And it's like, yeah, you know, I got my workout in today. It's, it's different. And if your entire existence and being inside of the gym is to achieve this, you know, meso goal and to focus on this macro goal and to, you know, say like, I, you know, I really want to get bigger. I want to put on size. I want to put on muscle mass. This is what I want. I need that lean mass. Well, then that changes the focus when I'm in the gym that changes the weights I grab, that changes the way I take and approach my training that changes everything that I do because I'm focused. I'm focused on driving adaptation in my body. But we need to be equally as as focused on getting our body to heal and getting our body to recover from that adaptation and stress as we are on the adaptation and stress itself. So that is sort of the main point of the deload week. So. A lot of talks, a lot of stuff uh, that I just kind of threw down there and what you guys take away from it will be intensely yours and how you guys, um, you know, put this into practice again is intensely yours. Coaches are available to help you and to talk about these things. And it's okay to come and have a discussion on like just the fact that maybe you're struggling with the idea of, you know, maybe not working out or you're struggling with something, you're struggling mentally, you're struggling to get your head around certain things. I think sometimes people think that coaches can just give the X's and O's like, Hey, can you tell me how my squat looks? Hey, how does this clean look? Hey, how does this, Hey, how does that? But they don't sit and articulate and have discussions, deep discussions on what they're actually really struggling with. You know, Hey, I've actually realized that like, you know, we kind of joke about like, this is my happy place. And you know, what I'm finding is that this is actually the only place that I'm, I'm finding myself, um, you know, happy. And I'd like to have better balance with that in, in my life. And I don't know how the gym, you know, fits in with that. How can we, um, you know, how can I utilize the things that I love here and how can I take those things? And we can have this discussion on maybe what, what we are missing. And this is what real, you know, health, real well, like well-being, wellness is about, um, is having that well-rounded happiness and that well-rounded mentality and focus in our day-to-day lives. And I think deloading is a great practice in this. So we have lots of yoga gyms. My, my wife, Maria, loves yoga. Um, she can make her recommendations if you guys um, need a yoga facility to go to and just drop into. Most of them, you can just pop into a class or two and try things out. And uh, that's a great way to do it. Walking and hiking is a great way to do it. Obviously, you guys can find yoga stuff online as well. Uh, we're happy to drive and help you guys with anything like that. Um, but those are 
this is sort of a, a talk I wanted to have with everybody in this. And I hope that it hits some of you guys on the right time where maybe our body's feeling burned out or our brain's feeling burned out. Or maybe we're just, you know, we're just tired and we could use that 90 minutes for something else for the next week. And we could have a different focus and we could maybe just sit in a hammock and swing and just relax and maybe listen to a podcast instead of coming to the gym. Or maybe you guys could sleep in if you guys are morning people. Maybe you could get a full, you know, nine hour night's sleep and let the body just feel what that does. And then come back and let training feel hard again. Let yourself get your butt kicked by a workout because you just took a week without breathing hard. Let weights feel heavy again. And start back with a higher foundation, but start back at the beginning of a new training split. So I hope this gives you guys a focus. I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, let's take our deloads when we need them. Thanks, guys.